Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. Get me pictures of that Spider-Man. I refuse. <laughs> He's a menace. Yeah, so we, um, uh, we, uh, we're, this is a quick and dirty, low production value episode so that we can talk about the feel-good hit of the summer, Spider-Man Far From Home. Plus bonus Spider-Verse commentary. Yeah, and also that other Spider-Man movie that just hit Netflix. <laughs> because I didn't see it in theaters like a bad person. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be forgiven someday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so we'll start off like normal where you guess what I thought and I guess what you thought about Far From Home. Okay, so I will. So, what did I think? What do I think you thought of this movie? Oh, I guess we should point out we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie as well as Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. So, if you care about Spider Man movies, like, I don't know, go do something else and see the movie and then come listen to this. Yeah, anyway. So, what did, what do I think Andrew thought of this movie? Um, I'm going to say you felt like it was a little meh. Um, you felt like it was kind of a little tacked on to the larger Endgame, Avengers Endgame thing. Not really sure what this is for or what this is doing. Um, you thought it was interesting to see kind of a little bit of how the world was adapting to a new kind of state of affairs vis-a-vis superheroes and who's around, who isn't. Um... But the way that they, the post-snap, uh, unsnap world, um, you felt like that was a little underdeveloped. Like, we got back to normal a little too quickly. Okay. Uh, what I thought you thought of this movie, I thought you thought it was a fun movie, that you liked some of sort of the, uh, lack of a term, meta-commentary. I think you probably liked Gyllenhaal's performance. Um... I think that you might think that the the teen comedy romance was maybe like, like a like you know sort of crafted well, but you weren't really into it just because you're old, uh, and that. But I think you might feel it might be a little like forgettable in the long term view. How we do? Okay. Well, um, well, you tell me how I did. Uh, no, I, I wasn't that harsh. I like this movie a good bit. Um, I do agree that I think that I mean it honestly did more with the post-snap or as they're calling it the blip which is interesting because they wouldn't know what a snap means so that's i'm glad they didn't use sure. that um like what relevance of that phrase would be uh I th- they did more with it than i thought they were going to to be quite honest i kind of def- really thought there's gonna be like that eh, happened and eh, it doesn't really matter so the fact there's a little bit of stuff about it was was okay you know the fact they're talking about these like benefits and you had some granted comedy scenes of people showing back up in the middle of things and um but i you know i, I sure would i like this like crazy dystopian future where you know they're you know we're in crisis because uh, we don't have enough food production and all these families have been torn apart by five years of whatever like sure that would be an interesting concept but is it the place for it is it going to happen like i didn't have those expectations so uh I thought they. I thought it was what they did with it was was okay. I liked that they had the one kid in the group that was. They all knew him as a you know little, especially for kids. Like you, five years is such a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to maybe adults, where it's like yeah, five years. Like I guess it's, it's you know that, could, that goes by so fast it seems nowadays. Um, but yeah, so but I did like the movie itself 
um, the story was good. I think that the the yeah, like I I didn't think it was meh. All okay. right, how to do for you? Well, um, forgettable is probably right. Um, you said I, it was fun. Yeah, I mean it was fun. It, I I didn't find myself checking my watch. It moved along at a good pace. Kept me interested. Kept me engaged, even though. It was super predictable. Um, I did like Gyllenhaal. I wish he'd had a little bit more to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the teen comedy piece, and maybe this is this will be our transition into you know kind of my larger notes, unless there's a particular place you want to begin. Um, you were right that I picked up on it, but your prediction for my reaction is kind of backwards. Um, I would have been fine watching, like, a teen comedy style thing. I just wish this had done a better job of being a teen comedy. So, and this is weird for me because I feel like I used to be an advocate for the Marvel, the new kind of method of Marvel where you just take kind of an established genre and you throw some of your Marvel characters into it. And you kind of just let that happen. Um, And I used to be an advocate for that. And then as this movie started, I was like, oh, cool. They're making like a teen rom-com, but Spider-Man's in it. I was like, yes, I am on board. Um, But then as it went on, it felt more like rather than taking a teen movie and putting Marvel stuff into it, they took a Marvel movie and put teen movie stuff into it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair assessment. Uh, I have to admit that I, even though I agree with what you said about the model, people say that, but I've never really felt like, I always felt like that's how all the movies have been in these in these forms. Like, I always sort of felt like, oh, you know, Winter Soldier is this, like, political thriller. I'm like, well, not really. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it is, I always kind of felt more, the majority is a superhero stuff minority, and I was okay with that ratio. Uh, this didn't feel too different than me. I mean... It could have felt more like I, I can picture a movie that would be more like a more jarring transition or juxtaposition between the two than this was. I could probably also picture a better one, mm-hmm. but didn't stand out to me as like it didn't really stand out to me as like wholly negative or positive. The, the biggest positive for me about the sort of like teen rom com side of it was that like the writing and the performances by the main teens for lack of a better term was was like just really good like i really like yeah. tom holland i really like zendaya like it, it just like really good chemistry and it just works so that was carrying that part of the movie for me more than the actual mechanics of it itself yeah and i guess my kind of bird's eye view is i don't think this is a bad movie i think all of my i think my my main complaint is that it doesn't live up to its potential in a lot of ways mm. um and I agree. I think all the performances, well, maybe not all. Most of the performances are great. I think that this like cast of used to be teenagers um, is is good together. Um, although some of these kids are looking a little looking a little less like kids now. Uh, notably, um, what's Peter's friend's name? Ned. Ned. 
Ned looks thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, he's looking rough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, this is. I'm not body shaming anyone, but it just, it was, um, it was jarring and distracting that you know he looked as as you know he just. I was not buying him as a teenager at all. Um, I mean, Tom Holland ha- looks so he's such a young-looking guy. Yeah, generally, he's going to be able to play a young Peter Parker for a while because he can do that. Yes. As opposed to, say, a Tobey Maguire. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Um, so, again, that was... But, again, the performances were all really good. Um, I will say I did... I feel like Sam Jackson's getting a little tired of this. See, I... Yeah, you could be right, but I'm also unsure if... Now I'm reading that, like, they really tried to lay hints that it wasn't him, and I'm just wondering if... I'm not sure. I, I could go either way. Um, Maybe bug or feature. I'm not sure. Probably definitely more of a bug. I would if I had to guess. But reading about now, reading afterwards, like all the little you know turns of phrases and stuff that they slipped in to kind of show that it wasn't him or Anne Maria Hill for that matter. Like, uh, yeah, it just kind of felt like. I mean, I was a little upset during the movie because I was just like, they're kind of turning Nick Fury into not a badass. Yeah. Into like he's basically you know. Danny Glover from, you know, uh, Lethal Weapon at this point, like ah, just every, no one listens to me, and I used to be cool, and and then it's kind of like oh well, it wasn't him, so okay, well, I don't know, I'm just curious, but yeah, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I I feel like the uh, if that was their intention, fine, but it didn't land for me because I didn't spend because my my takeaway from that. As I'm watching the movie, not knowing about the end credits scene, my takeaway from that is, oh, he's just kind of phoning it in, or oh, these lines don't really feel right. It to me, it read as sloppiness, not as well. This is interesting, huh? Something's not really adding up here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally fair. Totally so fair. yeah, because so I kind of felt the same way, but now I'm just like I'm just like in my own head now of like, was it purposeful? It seems like a lot of work to. It's like act but kind of act a little lazy <laughs> but in the but in the in the no matter what in the in the moment in the first viewing it made me question the 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 production you know not the not the reality of what i was seeing yeah no that makes sense um and i will say that if you're gonna play that game of is that really nick fury that doesn't seem like something nick fury would say you can't have a scene in the middle where you've got another fake nick fury <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, they did it twice. <laughs> yeah, that's a little, that's a little weird. And then if I'm supposed to be picking up on these hints, which is the real Nick, eh? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I guess I, I kind of felt that the reveal that you know they were scrolls at the end sort of fit with like the that sort of just like you know trust no one like kind of like you know didn't believe your eyes kind of thing for the movie. But it definitely is like you don't want to play the same trick twice on your audience because it can seem a little lazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you think the, of like them being scrolls? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just. I really just one of the things I kind of wanted about this movie was like I just want to go see a Marvel movie that's just a Marvel movie and doesn't colonize my brain with everything that came after before it and everything that's it's setting up. This was not that. <laughs> yeah, and well, I was okay with the events of Endgame informing this one. But it being relatively light. All you really need to know is um, Tony's dead and it's bumming everybody out, but especially Peter Parker. Okay, fine, fine. 
it didn't you know it didn't rely on um, in the same way that like Endgame did was like well you have to have seen all of these movies or you're not going to know who any of these people are or why any of this matters and all of that um, I'm fi- so I was fine with the continuity aspects going into this but then I'm just like oh, I just wanted a Spider-Man movie <laughs> like it's just I mean it's not that I'm I mean I don't know if I'm going to care about the next phase but I really wanted a break from it I thought mm-hmm. this movie was going to be it but well I mean I guess that they, I mean, they, they did say a lot of times that this is the last movie of Phase Three, not sure. the first one. So, and sure, I, you know, I, I like the mid-credit scene because number one, it was it was cute, um, it was fun to watch. You know, just like oh no, this would how this is how it would be if he was swinging you through the city. It would be awful. You'd hate it. Yeah. Um, but then the okay, we're bringing J, J. Jonah Jameson back, and it might as well be J.K. Simmons because who the hell else is it going to be? Um, <laughs> and I like that they did what. And even though it's not an original idea, because this is how they set it up in the um, Spider-Man PS4 game, where J. Jonah Jameson is basically Alex Jones. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Um, and I like, like, because, like, ooh, the, the mid credit scene, it's, like, setting up, like, the next Spider-Man movie, not the next non-Spider-Man movie, you know? Right. And I was like, cool. I'm excited to see, like, you know, this is a direction of Spider-Man that we haven't seen on the big screen yet, where, um, you know, his, his identity is exposed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. I'm happy to see that. But then to have another one like, don't forget about space monsters. Like, oh, I wanted to forget about space monsters, guys. Yeah, but your favorite Talos is back. <laughs> no, he's great. He's fine. Great. I am, but I just, oh, I, I just wanted something else right now. Yeah, that, that the mid-credits scene, I loved. It, it was, because it was... It was weird. I was reading a little bit about today for like reading a little article from Feige, Feige and the director who I'm blanking on the name of right now. Um, sorry, director. Uh, basically, was talking about their decisions they made in this movie and the previous movie and kind of how it's all leading to the to the third one. And um, basically, that in in one scene they sort of brought you back the Spider-Man that's a little more recognizable to people. You know, swinging around like downtown Manhattan. Yeah. You know, with with Mary Jane and and he's in this place, and you know he's a hero. And then they then they give you the even more of that, like, oh, he's a menace. He's been framed. He's gonna be the Spider-Man we recognize from all the other movies, where you know the cities that get you know parts of the city are against him, but he's still a hero anyway. And then it's just like, oh no, here's I mean, basically flipping on his head. The thing that the, is key to his character for so long is that he's got a secret identity. It's like no more. Um, I did read some good points, you know, browsing around the internet today that like they did this in the comics and they had to walk it back so can they like are they just gonna do the same thing here in some way uh just because that didn't i mean it's sort it's just like the secret identities which marvel does generally done away with was a good move but there's something about it particular to spider-man that's like kind of crucial um yeah but but i'm I'm curious to see like it's gonna be a fun setting i think yeah and the the Marvel movies thus far haven't really dealt with any secret identity issues because even the the first Marvel movie, I know about Blade and all the other ones, but you know, Iron Man ends with him revealing his identity. Right. And all the other ones like no, nobody's got they we're not doing that. It's fine. So it'll be nice to see some of those dynamics play out in the next Spider-Man movie presumably, but yeah, no, I'm again excited about where that's going. Less jazzed about you know sp- space shapeshifters. Yeah, I mean, I can only assume that that's setting up for maybe another Captain Marvel. 
I, I would assume, but which is fine. Let's do Captain Marvel two. She can fight the space, um, uh, the space goblins. I just, I don't want to. I, I, I just want some of these guys to do their own things for a minute. Yeah, no, for sure. I was actually surprised at how much this movie tied into everything else. I really thought it was going to be, you know, like you said, minus the the post endgame sort of stuff, but just the fact that this is actually something I, I did like was that both of this Spider-Man's villains were created by Tony Stark's, like, you know, bad qualities, essentially. Yeah. Right? I mean, even though it seems like both these guys are not nice people, he didn't make them bad people, but his actions led to their villainification, if that's a word. Right. uh, Which I think is sort of an interesting, like, dynamic, because here this whole movie is about, you know, him trying to live in, you know, live up to Tony Stark's mantle, and, you know, do I want to be the next Iron Man? Can I live out? Can I ever break out of his shadow? Can I ever live up to his expectations? It's also like, yeah, but all these guys caused his wreck were his fault, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I like that sort of dynamic, and it stood out to me immediately, because I was just like, I mean, I did like that it, it did feel, like, the story the way they connected it to him and like the holograms and all that, all that technology through Stark Industries, like it made a lot of sense. So that was a cool tie in. But once again, it's just like, Ooh, this is all just fitting together real perfectly. Yeah. So about that, (laughs) um, I thought it was clever that, you know, Mysterio is essentially just, you know, this disgruntled Stark employee well, technically, they are a bunch of disgruntled Stark employees and, um, you know, using hijacked Stark technology. It's neat. Um, but what you have here is, and this is, relates to my bigger problem with this villain, you have these two characters who are both, like, um, reflections or... or uh, not to stretch the metaphor too far, offspring of Tony Stark, right? Mm. You've got Peter Parker, who is struggling to live up to the example of Tony Stark in a positive way. And then you've got Quinn Beck, who is just trying to con his way into being the new Tony Stark, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting dynamic and dichotomy. And this movie doesn't really explore it at all. Um, and we don't get enough of... So, so, so my larger problem with, with Mysterio is that... Usually, you, you know, in a movie like this, especially Spider-Man, the villain has to reflect something about the hero, right? And there has to be something about the villain that is kind of a parallel for whatever emotional journey the hero is on in in the movie right um and you 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 could have this parallel of um peter parker is is trying to live up to the expectation of spider-man but he's feeling really um, insecure about it. He's feeling really inadequate about it. And the movie kind of does this a little bit, right? He's like, he's not really sure he's ready for the big time. And um, he's, you know, he's he's not feeling totally secure. Um, he feels like Spider-Man is maybe an illusion and the reality isn't all that great. 
And then you've got Mysterio, who isn't all that great, but is using illusion to look like a grand hero. And again, cool dichotomy that the movie doesn't really play on. Um, and we don't really get a sense for, like, what is Peter going through in all of this, other than, like, the standard, like, I don't know if I want to be Spider-Man, which has been, like, the theme of every Spider-Man movie ever. Um, but that doesn't really sync up with what Mysterio has going on. At least it does. They kind of they glance against it and you feel like it's there, but they cut those scenes in favor of something else. Yeah, I think I think definitely like if you squint it, you can see it, but they definitely could have spent a little more time exploring it at the expense of maybe a couple of the teacher gags or something. Yeah. Um, which like, you know, I, I'll agree to stay on Mysterio. Like, I agree. I think that I just wanted just a little bit more. Like, I like the premise. I mean, waiting for the twist was a little torturous. Yeah. Woof. It's just like, I know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, and at no point did they convince me otherwise, right? I mean, they did it, like, J.J. Hall's a good actor. Like, it's compelling, but, like, it's just like, okay, when's he going to go evil? Okay, when's right. he going to go evil? Okay, right. when's he going to go evil? He's got a purple cape on. We know what's going on here. <laughs> um, now, I, so, I do think they could have done something better there. And I'm surprised that they didn't do this. Um, rather than these just like made up elemental monsters, they should have had the fake villain been an actual Spider-Man villain. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of going for like, you know, a, a Hydra-Man, Sandman kind of thing, but like didn't really do it full on. I think that you're right. right they should have, have like, just committed to that. It would have actually been kind of neat. It, and now I'm sure that they have all kinds of dumb reasons for not doing it this way but like what if it was the whole sinister six huh right yeah and you could have whatever six villains you never want to use again like the rhino um you know but then we as an audience might act especially we as an audience who've heard of mysterio might actually get to that halfway point in the movie and start thinking like yeah maybe they are making mysterio a good guy in this but it turns out that the sinister six were all just you know projections like I think that would have misled the audience a little bit better, and yeah, like you said, I would have been waiting for the t- twist. Like, okay, I know he's Mysterio. And yeah, there's no way that the main bad guy is a lava monster. We know what's <laughs> happening here. Right, right. Yeah, the, the elementals were a little bit faceless, nameless. You know, lazy yeah. kind of. Never heard of these things. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, but like positives, like Mysterio looked awesome. Yep. Uh, and. I mean, I liked, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, I liked, I like I said, I wish you would have a little, just a little bit more. Like, I liked Hall as Mysterio. He brought a weirdness that wasn't, like, the full Nightcrawler weirdness, but just, like, a little bit manic and a little bit, you know, just, like, brought some depth to it. I thought it was interesting. But yeah. I, I just would have liked a little bit more to work with. I did like that it was, like, this whole team of people. And my favorite, remember that team's the guy who's, like, in charge of the story. Yeah. And he calls him up and is like, give me some fucking sci-fi nonsense. He's like, uh, yeah, the, uh, the multiverse is, like, collapsing. And blah, blah. I yeah. love that. Because it's, like, it's a little, you know, it's something that both this movie and Spider-Verse did. It's, like, some, I guess, best you call it, like, meta commentary on, like, the superhero genre and just, like, the absurdity of some of this craziness. But we, like, yeah. go along with it anyway. I don't want to talk about the meta commentary a little bit, but I also want to just go back to Hall for a second. I do feel like I wish he'd been given more because I think that especially later in the movie, like Hall is really good at combining like vulnerability and like, but also seeming dangerous and volatile. 
mm-hmm. and um, and he does that so well that because later in the in the movie, like when he's on the bridge and he's you know you're like I don't I have no idea what this guy is going to do next. Yeah, I felt that way too. Um, and and you felt that not because of what they were setting up in the script and the editing, but like genuinely like his performance and the way he was you know bringing that character to the screen like i really don't know what to expect from this guy like he always seems like he's just on the verge of going crazy um or just on the verge of being like you know what i've gone too far like i'm sorry i was i was over you know whatever right or like he could he could have a you know he could have a hero turn here in the last minute and that's really really good um and i wish we could have seen more of that but Did, did the um did the like the mechanics of of like the mysterio elemental battles like that required some like squinting of the eyes for me i was just like uh okay like i mean it's comic movies i'm okay with stuff but like that in particular like we use all these drones all these different things to like recreate all the stuff i'm just like okay but like how'd you do the water like it's everything was just like very i i was fine with it i was like cool i get it i under so basically the drones are putting up holograms and also using all their special robot powers to break shit. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And and then when they, they have the scene and kind of the rehearsal scene and, and where they're revealing all of it, and I'm like, it's actually really kind of kind of clever. Yeah. Um, and may, might be building to some interesting commentary. Spoilers, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but what bothered me more was that we, was the... You have this big rehearsal scene and it really looks like in order to make this work, they have to plot out like every little movement to the, you know, to the hundredth degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to be rehearsed and timed and all of that. Um, but then at the end, it seems like they're able to improvise a lot more than I thought they were able to. Um, but also then when, you know, Spider-Man's in the like, illusion mini boss fight yeah which looked awesome which looked awesome um how did they put that together in like yeah what seemed like 90 minutes and they really had it all planned out where peter was gonna go and what he was gonna do and how it was all gonna work like that seemed i was like wait i thought this was you know um uh, and and maybe if they just had some hand wavy thing of how, you know, they were able to get Edith to tap into Beck's imagination or something, so he had more control. It just felt a little. I was like, ah, what's going on here? Yeah, it needed something just a little bit more to make it re- like not realistic, but just be like, because I felt the same way. I'm just like, well, that was a pretty elaborate ruse just to get this information like and also then like said at the end when he's like i'm gonna take manual control and it's like okay like right what does with, that mean <laughs> with this with this like gen one iphone on my arm that i just have to slam my fingers into right. yeah i um and again i'm not trying to be like mechanistic plot hole guy it's just about internal consistency and when you said something up in one scene and then in the next scenes don't play by those rules it's distracting yeah like the concepts were cool enough that i was willing to like hand wave a little bit as we do with comic book movies but like you said it was just a little bit internally just like i'm not really sure okay but um it still was like i said the effects in the scenes were distracting enough that i didn't think about it as much because it was cool like that mysterious scene felt like something out of the comics which was 
which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have done a lot of it. They could have just given like a little bit of magic. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, like well, Stark was working with this piece of Asgardian or whatever tech that he, you know, could help with his holograms. And I don't, you know, like I said, I don't know. And then Edith comes in there, some sort of mechanism that made it just a little bit more. Yeah, they, more this is this is. I mean, the Stark tech is magic at this point, so they could have done whatever they wanted. Um, or like you say, like oh, he's got a special, yeah, Asgardian rock or. They stole something from Doctor Strange. You know, any way to hand wave this away. I mean, I guess it's fine, but again, it's a little bit distracting, a little bit wall-breaking. Yeah. So, um, back to positives. Sure. I really like John Favreau. Um, he's just a gem for me right now. I was just watching <laughs> that, watching bits of that, uh, that like chef show on Netflix. Sure. And he just seems like a nice guy. He does seem like a nice guy. Uh, and but the scene where he throws the shield. I haven't laughed that hard, like, at a movie in a, in a long time. Really? I don't know what about it just got me. Because they could have done it really stupid, where, like, if they slowed it down, he threw the shield, and it went in slow motion, and then it, like, fell out of the air, and it's a big, dumb yeah. guy. But the fact that it was just, like, he just, like, sloppily chucked it, and was just like, shit, and I was just like, yes. Because, like, at first I was like, what's he going to do with that shield? That shield can't block bullets. That shield's not worth anything. And they're like, nope, just going to turn into a gag. And I'm like, all right. like Right. They didn't <laughs> just felt. They... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. It just felt like, just, like the physical comedy of it really landed for me. Yeah, and I think the fact that they didn't draw too much attention to it, mm-hmm. they didn't go super big with it, because you're right, they could have, and have the like the Captain America music swell up. Yep. And, but I, no, it's just, he's going to throw a shield, and, you know, yeah. It's going to do what happened if you threw, like, a 40-pound medieval shield, you know, a guy who's not in the best of shape, like, it's yeah. going to fucking flail out of his arm and fall on the ground. Uh, so, I mean... There were just generally some really, really funny scenes in this movie that I, I laughed at quite a bit. Um, yeah, and and you know, and, and again, like every actor here, with the exception of Samuel L. Jackson, um, did great. I, I I think you know you mentioned earlier, but I want to come back to it. But the chemistry between um, Peter and Mary Jane, I think, is great. Yeah, and I I like this version of those characters so much more because they. They seem like two weirdos who found each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they seem like, but they just, they also seem like they're good friends and they have chemistry and they're compatible as opposed to, and I feel like we might have talked about this when we talked about the first uh, one, Homecoming, but like the original Mary Jane and even the Mary Jane from the Spider Man movies, where it's like she's this like super hot, you know, um, you know, male fantasy and the nerd gets her. Yeah. Um, and how gross and aggressive that is. And then this where it's like, Oh no, they're both just kind of nerds and, you know, kind of, but kind of comfortable with who they are, Mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe a little awkward, but not in a like desperate grasping needy way. Um, like neither one of them is like dying to be accepted or dying to like be popular. Um, but yeah, like they just, I like it. I, I, I like it. It feels real. It feels natural. Um, like I want to see these two like have a cool relationship. Um, and I don't want the next movie to be where they break up in the first scene so that he can go after the new girl, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, I mean, I do think that they'll hopefully develop this into a good relationship. And I'll be curious to see with the whole... I'm sure it's going to be the whole like, oh, everyone knows my identity. You can't be near me. Like, I hope we don't retread that as we have in every superhero thing for a million years. But, um, you know, it is interesting because it's like 
watching Spider-Verse and seeing, like, OG Peter Parker and Mary Jane, there's always, like, even though the origin of that is pretty, you know, like you said, pretty regressive and, like, kind of gross now, it's still, there's still, like, you're used to that and you have the special place in your heart, right? But uh, this is just, like, it's an interesting and, you know, just shows that, like, if you do something well, it doesn't have to stick to any arbitrary sort of origin or whatever or like you know originality to these concepts that were made up in like the 60s like it's okay to progress a little bit yeah yeah so all right so you, you want to talk about the meta stuff yeah oh i really thought they were going somewhere with this like when you yeah, see that too. the real mysterio suit is a fucking mocap suit i was like oh yeah we are gonna we are gonna deconstruct some shit um and then like when they're talking about their big illusion as a as an Avengers level threat, I was like, "Cool, cool, cool, cool. We're going somewhere. We've identified some things with these movies, and we're gonna have something to stay on them." Um, and like how cringy and absurd, like when they're telling Mysterio's backstory in that first scene, and he's like, he's like, you know, touching his wedding ring, and you know, like I'm like, "Oh man, they are. This is." They're deconstructing their own shit. I'm happy. We're moving into a new phase here. But then they were like, nah, <laughs> forget it. We're not going to actually cash in any of this. We're just going to put it out there. Bye. And I was really, dis- really disappointed with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess partially it's like I give them credit for even flirting with it because it's it gets you get a little risky. Although, once again, I think Spider-Verse did a lot of meta stuff, too. Sure. Um, so I think that like definitely they're open to experimenting. I mean, different people making these movies, but um, and that's good. Obviously, I you know for them from their perspective, it must be a hard line to walk. Of like, if we deconstruct too much, then our movies kind of look dumb. Yeah. And like you know like and that's why we keep Deadpool over here in the corner because like <laughs> you know we're not gonna bring him in this because it's just like it's holding it a little you can't fly too close to the sun right right so i, I kind of didn't know what i agreed with you i was kind of like oh, i was kind of waiting for like the punchline, you know and the whole like no one listens to anyone unless they're wearing a cape like some of that stuff was really like really well like you know really good commentary and some deconstruction but yeah i was waiting for the punchline. well i'm not really sure what that punchline could have been yeah have no been. i mean i think that there's you know again i don't know what it could have been um you know, it might have been just spitballing here. Something about that the real heroism isn't necessarily saving the day from sky monsters and big spectacles. It might be smaller, more personal things. And then you could have, you know, again, spitballing here. This is the this is the dumb, obvious version of this. But like that the real heroic act that Spider-Man does in this is less about him saving London from a sky monster and more about him saving one of his classmates from like an opioid addiction. I don't know, but you know what I mean? (laughs) We're like, you set that up and you'd be like, Oh no, it's not always sky monsters. And sometimes the sky monsters are just an illusion for something else. Or if we had had a little bit more about Mysterio's motivation, Mm -hmm. like, He's like, well, once everybody thinks I'm a hero, they'll finally listen to me. And I was like, listen to you, tell them what? And he's like, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> we spent like, too listen, long in this scene. 
<laughs> listen um, to you tell them that you know we need to f- save the world from global warming or we need to you know right like fully understand what having vigilante heroes means like i don't like find something to talk about right but yeah, yeah. i felt the same way that, i just and if you tied that in to whatever his goal is that he's you know and maybe that hues a little too close to Ozymandias and Watchmen where he's going to do this catastrophic event to um, like you know somehow bring out mankind's best nature or something like that maybe you wouldn't do that mm-hmm. but you know I mean um, even Bane was like yeah Gotham's corrupt and shitty um, and and we, we can't have corrupt shitty things so bye you know like I, I just need I, I they'll finally listen to me um and even t- if you just given him another scene where like somebody actually asks him like so once you have the microphone what are you gonna say and then for him to maybe say like oh i don't really know i just want to have the microphone you know like, okay <laughs> like that is something this was nothing there's plenty of people who feel that way and act out in that same process yeah uh no you're right about that i felt the same way i just like I said, just a little bit more with, with Mysterio, I think, could have, you know, really, really put this movie, like, put him into a good category. I was a little disappointed he died, because I really do think, like, a cool Sinister Six is someplace they could go at some point. Especially with, like, these Spider-Man be- villains being like, a little more grounded and a little more, you know, less absurd um, than some of the other, like, Marvel, big Marvel villains. Yeah. Um, you know, it did like the interesting juxtaposition of like the end, the end credits of the first movie. You had the the villain purposely not reveal Peter Parker's identity, and then in the end credits this yeah, point you had the the villain purposely reveal Peter Parker's identity. So, um, a little bit of juxtaposition there as well. So lots of little things that you know, look, looking back and forth between the two, that I'm I'm really curious to see how if they're viewing this as a trilogy. Yeah, this this didn't feel like this didn't feel like a a second movie. You know what I mean? In, it did. In a trilogy. You're right. So, which is fine. It doesn't have to. I'm, I'm happy to entertain other ideas of stories. But, um, although, did you, I, I don't know if you heard this. I was just, a friend sent this, our, our beloved uh, fill-in co-host, Michael, uh-huh. uh, from a, a guy on Twitter that's quote from article that I can't find a source from, but allegedly it's legit, that apparently the deal between Sony and Marvel had stipulations that, Spider-Man that this movie needed to clear a billion dollars or Marvel won't, would not get to oversee the third movie. Huh. And that full control would revert back to Sony uh, and then which would lead to I don't know who it's referencing. America's most beloved entertainment executive. Um, I guess whoever runs Sony. But like basically they just would look to cash grab and they already had plans to shove Spider-Man and Venom together and ignore all the canon and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like this movie's on track to make over a billion dollars which you know if this is what it saves us from, great. Uh, but I'm just curious to see what they're going to do in the third one because I, when I was reading about the choice to bring back J.K. Simmons, and of course they were like, well, there was never any other question about it, which, by by the way, probably garnered the biggest reaction in the theater that any other part of the movie did, um, at least in my in my showing. Uh, people were super excited about that, as was I. Uh, that it sounds like he's going to be like in. I wasn't sure it's just like a cameo thing that yeah. they're going to do, but apparently he's like going to be in the next movie from the sounds of it and stuff. So great because they're talking about sitting down with him and talking about his storyline and whatever, and him being a little confused, but then being like, sure, whatever, sure, <laughs> so. fine. 
But um, yes, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how this fits in like the bigger whole of these as you're reading these movies as a as a trilogy, especially because like the first two were so heavily centered around Tony Stark and that relationship. Yeah, and it kind of seems like you can't really do that anymore. Like, yeah, to have a third movie be about that as well just seems like we're stretching that out. And I do wish that this movie landed that emotional beat a little bit more of like finally bringing Peter out of that shadow because I feel like I spent the last ten years hearing about how. Peter Parker is a complex relationship with Tony Stark. You know, I just feel like we'd, I don't know. I just kind of wish he'd come clean on it a little bit more, but yeah. Um, um, another thing. Well, one quick thing I want to just, I agree. I wish they hadn't killed um, Mysterio. I wish these movies would stop killing their villains um, yeah. because we all love Thor and Loki. And the reason that works is because they didn't kill Loki. In the first one, you know, they <laughs> they bring him back and then sometimes he's on the good guys and sometimes he's on the bad guys and it's this constant thing. And I've said this before, but like people say this is one of the things that's great about the Fast and Furious movies is they introduce a really great actor to play a really cool villain in the in one movie. And then in the next movie, they bring that person back. But now they're a good guy for some reason. Who cares? You just want to see more Jason Statham. Like that's what we're doing. And that's what we should that's what these Marvel movies could do, like, because it would be great if, you know, you know, then maybe in the next movie or the movie that comes after that, you know, he has to, you know, Mysterio's back and he has to, like, help out somehow. It would just be interesting and fun. Um, but one more thing about this movie that it didn't land, and, and maybe you tell me, like, that I missed something, but it feels like the whole Peter lost his spider sense thing and then got it back at the last minute because reasons felt like it should have been a little bit more developed. <laughs> Yes, I totally agree, and I hadn't even remembered until you just said it, because I was just thinking about, like, how did the movie end? Oh, yeah, he was doing the thing, and then his spider sense kind of made him catch that bullet. Okay, yeah, that felt like, because, like, we kind like you said, we kind of did this, we've done this before, where, like, what was it? Uh, Toby Maguire, he got, I think, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, like, he, he started self-doubting, and then he started losing his powers, and then he, you know, became self-actualized and got his full powers back. Yep. Okay, we, that's what we're doing here okay that seems repetitive but fine but then yeah it just seemed like it wasn't really explained and then it i mean yeah and i, if, I don't and if that he, was just i was just sloppy just yeah sloppy. and if he doesn't have a spider sense he's much less effective at just like being spider-man the spider sense isn't just there to like help him dodge stuff um at the last minute like all that stuff where he's like bouncing around the rubble and you know flipping in and out of the drone swarms like he can do that because he has the spider sense that's what gives him the enhanced reflexes and intuition to do that stuff right but i'd have to watch it again but part of me is like maybe it wasn't the fact that he like lost it it's more that just he was so unfocused at points and that mysterio was really getting under his skin that badly that when he was confronting him his confusion and his emotions was sort of like drowning out. Yeah. But like again, preventing that from working could have worked, put it on the screen. Yeah. It yeah. just, he's yeah. so emotionally distraught bringing up Tony Stark and legacy and all these things, all the mistakes he's made that, you know, he like, just like it, it overpowered the spider right. sense. Or he's so distracted by being lovesick, you know, mm-hmm. tie it into the other, you know, into this other story because, um, my God, Another thing this movie didn't do a great job of, if he has to, if he's making these decisions about like, should I have this magical moment with the girl I like, 
or should I go try to save the world? We as the audience need to be there with him not knowing which is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So much of this movie, he's like, oh, I want to hang out with my friends. And they're like, yeah, the world is fucking ending. And we're like, go save the world, Spider-Man. You know? Yeah. And this movie didn't do a good job of, of that. So those scenes just became boring because I'm like, I know what he's going to do. I know what the right thing to do is. Let's just get there. Right. It's like there's definitely a couple of things where we're starting to retread a couple things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the movie did a good, good job of avoiding some of those things, but then not a good job in other places, which kind of makes the whole juxtaposition feel even a little more rough. Because, like, it's like, you tried really hard over here. Why did you just, you know, yeah. get lazy on this side of it? Uh, so that's definitely definitely true. Um, I think that, uh, I think I would like to, you know, I think there's some things that would definitely be a benefit to rewatch some of the stuff with... Fury, but also just like you said, some of just trying to understand a little bit more about uh, what was going on with his power, his, his spider sense, and see if those l- l- scenes land any better the second time around. I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem likely since, yeah. like you said, we've, we've done this before. So, uh, the only thing that I had to comment on was. No, I lost it. I had something, but All right. it's gone now. Uh, so we're talking about. It was in- interesting comparing it to spider-verse though yeah let's talk about another spider-man movie <laughs> uh yeah so i just i literally just like watched finished watching that turned off the tv and turned on the computer to record this podcast so it's pretty fresh um yeah i mean it was cool <laughs> <laughs> good review done all right see you next yeah, week yeah. um uh, so boy i saw it uh over christmas break and i mean i kind of saw it because my daughter watched it a little bit in the car as we were going to visit my parents for the 4th of July. So, like, <laughs> I caught some some images in my rearview mirror. But, um, uh, yeah, so would you, give me give me some high-level thoughts. Yeah, so obviously it was a, like, I mean, just to get the easy stuff out of the way, like, visually it was just beautiful. Like, yep. I don't know what they did to make it look that way because it was, like, kind of cgi with a bunch of, i'm sure it's probably a very cool documentary song it talks about talks about how they did the animation but it was like a really interesting mix of like lots of different things uh which was very very cool um i i felt that the they really nailed like the people like their way they could convey emotions and like in a way the animation can struggle with sometimes yes uh which i think is probably even more important than like the big spectacle scenes just like the the internet and individual interaction with the characters uh you know carried also by good voice acting and good writing but just like the animated figures themselves could convey emotion which can sometimes fall a little flat yes um music was was cool like different which is fun uh it had which actually both these movies i thought they were both pretty well paced Uh, you know there's definitely that like once again there's parts of spider verse where like alright, he's gonna get put in the bench and then he's gonna break out and go get a suit and go join the fight, but it's like, okay, we can do the normal superhero stuff. It's part of what this movie is as an origin story. Uh, obviously, I like all the fun multiverse stuff. All the voice acting and the choices they make were great for those. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nicolas Cage's Spider-Man Noir was, was awesome. He's really hamming it up. Uh, and then, obviously, John Mulaney. Oh, Mulaney. He's <laughs> so good. Um, but they didn't overuse those characters, which was good, because they could have easily been too much. Yes. Um, I thought, if you wanted to get a <laughs> down-on-his-luck, dumpy old Peter Parker, like Jake Johnson's pretty hard to top. Um, he I might find be that... my favorite Peter Parker. <laughs> I mean, his 
his voice is distracting because I just like I've watched so much New Girl that it's just like it's hard. Yeah. But then again, that character is so close to the character you played on that show, kind of that I'm just like, yeah, okay, like yeah. that's what I'm supposed to be imagining. Um, just one of those sometimes those, those voices can like take you out of the, the movie yeah. a little bit, which is just a personal thing, not like a objective complaint. Um, I really like this the style of some of the like the villains, like Kingpin looking ridiculous was like a like just like the stylization of it all was yeah. kind of cool. Um, I thought that. Uh, what else did I think? I so think so that, so, how did you feel about the Doc Ock reveal? I mean, that was fine like i didn't have a big concern were you, about that well, well i mean like were you surprised by it did you see it coming oh i didn't see it coming okay. no she reminded me of something I, I couldn't like place it like that i've seen this character before like who is she what's she from yeah and i just couldn't put it put it i still keep my finger on it but and I, I you knew from the beginning because like there's something about animated movies where you can just kind of tell by like the level of detail and design that went into a particular character whether or not they're going to be important. Yeah. And you see at the beginning, you're like, yeah, they put way too much work into that hairdo for you to only be in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely true. Um, I like that they kept it fully Spider-Man, that they didn't engage with any other... I mean, they could it because it was made oh, by Sony and all that. Yeah. But um, nothing else to connect to Marvel, which was, which was good. Uh, which could have been a very tempting thing to do given the multiverse, you know, nature of the movie. Uh, you know, I, I thought that it, I, I'm having a hard time deciding if the movie expected you to know too much, like, about these characters to really... Because, like, there was parts of the movie where I was just like, oh, man, this is heavy. But, like, would I have felt it was as heavy if I was an eight-year-old who doesn't really know who, like, know Peter Parker, married MJ and their history, and, like you know, the sort of stuff with Wilson Fisk, Wilson Fisk and his family, like, all that stuff. Not that you need to know, like, the specific details of those stories, but, like, just, like, having a familiar with the characters made it seem like... I'm not sure. I can't tell it's one of those things that, like, it would work fine, and then for the people who can who really pick up on it, it works even better, or... So, so that, so I can provide a little bit of small sample size insight on that. Um, I saw this movie, again, Christmas Break, with my brother-in-law and my dad. And my dad knows about as much about Spider-Man as a man could get from having heard the theme song as his son watched it in the 80s. <laughs> like, like he never watched any Tobey Maguire movies, anything like that? Uh, you know, he probably, you know, probably yes, but not, you know, I wouldn't say like, I, he, he knows it probably as much about Spider-Man as any other normal person who doesn't follow this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made a point. I was like, you know, I, I conducting science experiments on my family members here, but like, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, and I said to my brother-in-law, I said like, like, let's not like, you know, I really want to like, I want to hear from my dad, like his experience of this movie, like just going in without any preconceived notions, just like, we're going to go see an animated Spider-Man movie. Do you want to come? Cool. And then just like, not like prep him and be like, now, you know, dad, this isn't, this isn't a sequel to the Tobey Maguire ones. And, you know, this is, you know, this is a different Spider-Man. This is Miles Morales this time. But oh, I, did, I didn't want to give him any setup other than, like, we're going to go see this thing. Because I really wanted to hear, you know, what is a normie reaction. And he enjoyed it, you know. Um, he, you know, he didn't have a ton to say about it because it's not really his, you know, it's not, not my dad's type of movie for the most part. But, like, you know, he, like, he didn't find it hard to follow. He didn't find it confusing or, you know, um, 
uh, like he needed to know all of this lore. It was like, no, it all just worked, you know, for somebody who knows the standard pop culture knowledge about Spider-Man. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying, I was curious if like, you know, cause everyone just, everyone's been raving about this movie and I was just like, oh, I'm curious if like, she would like, it. I'm just like, I'm not sure. I think she'd probably enjoy it, but like having probably, she's always my other control of just like, she knows nothing. If you said Peter Parker, she probably wouldn't know who that is, like, or Mary Jane. Like, she'd have no idea who these people are or any concept of that, probably. Um, A, because she's got a really bad memory when it comes to pop culture, except for Gilmore Girls, and B, uh, (laughs) you know, just, like, doesn't seek these things out and probably actively avoids them. Um, Although she did agree to watch Homecoming with me at some point. Uh, Just because I think they're... Once again, I think that one thing I think both these movies share, a couple things these movies share, are I think they're feel-good movies. Like, they both make you feel good. And I think Spider-Man movies should generally make you feel good, at least if it's about young, heroic Spider-Man, right? Like, aimed at a younger audience, you might say, for both these movies. Um, (laughs) Andrew, at this point, all audiences are younger audiences for us. That's true, but even more (laughs) young, even younger than, you know, this is a movie that's rated, Spider-Verse is rated PG, Yeah. uh, which I didn't know movies could even still be rated that and, like, be successful if they're not, like, I don't know, Toy Story. Uh, if they're not animated movies featuring a wildly popular trans media character. Fair. <laughs> but I, I just felt that, like, you know, action, I guess I should say action-oriented things. Like, every Star Wars movie is rated PG-13. Like, all the Marvel movies sure. are rated PG-13. I just figured that, like, uh, well, even if it's animated, like, probably still. They're going to have guns and killing and stuff. So I probably skirted that line a little bit by having lasers and things like that. But Except for Kingpin's gun. But whatever. Um didn't really don't understand that one but uh yeah and like but like and they both they both have some stuff to say about heroism heroism and comic book bullshit uh but they both also felt like you said like they felt approachable overall yeah yeah um i know karen wants to watch spider verse when we when we get a minute so so i'll definitely sit down with her and watch it and see what what she thinks because yeah she knows as much as someone who's seen one and a half toby Maguire movies and you know (laughs) Yeah. A couple Avengers, so yeah. So I mean, I I really liked it. I think I, mean, I think they're doing a sequel. Uh, I like the little twenty ninety nine gag at the end. That was that really was, funny. That was very good. And then I, the twenty ninety nine and the nineteen sixties. You know, very good. And make it a meme while we're at it. Good good work. Yeah. Um, I I appreciated their willingness to engage, like all the little Easter eggs and all like the willingness to engage with just like all the memes and things, like during the credits themselves, like. The, the spider-man behind the desk and just like all yeah. the little like spider-man memes like they're all they're all pretty good um so that was fun uh and they didn't go overboard though they could have really gone overboard in that stuff in in the thing but it yeah wasn't, it wasn't too bad because well and i think that you need to do something like that in this movie because spider-verse it's kind of like the iron spider-verse is a is a uh, is a spider-man movie in the same way that the iron giant is kind of a superman movie yeah in that it's kind of it this movie is about acknowledging and interpreting Spider-Man's position in culture. And so not only in the culture of the fictional world of Miles Morales' world, you know, what does Spider-Man mean in that world? And he's this inspirational figure. Um, But by bringing in the memes and the references to the other movies that we have seen uh, and, you know, bringing in the, like, photograph of bad spider-man popsicles into like um <laughs> and like the spider buggy like in the yeah you know in his and stuff like that and yeah. bringing all that in and acknowledging that means 
that's inviting us as the audience to interpret Spider-Man's role in our culture as well, you know, in, right. in, in the real world culture. Um, so I think you need to do a little bit of that just to kind of hit home exactly what you're trying to do here. Um, so I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was really good the way they did that. Yeah. And once again, I just it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can do with more. Um, it's kind of hard. It's kind of a it's one of those movies where it's just like, how do you where do you go from there? Like, it seems yeah, like you almost don't just want to go after it. Yeah, like pull back from to pull back just like a Miles Morales centered story. Like, because at first I was like, oh man, like this. I mean, I know the animation style was probably very expensive. It was a future movie, but like to make something similar to this into like a TV show with some of the style would be really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm just like, but I'm like, oh, but how do you go after this? This is this is just like pure insanity on the screen, right? Like for parts of it, yeah. in a good way. Uh, how do you? I mean, you can't really go bigger. I guess you could, but that, that just seemed like you're cashing your chips in, right? And, like, and the insanity of the visuals is part of the story because it's this insane multiverse story and you need visuals to match it and now like when you do that again where he's just like going up against the vulture um some interesting things i learned that and just in terms of the technical achievement of of this animation was that um so all the different like spider men um they're all animated at different frame rates that is relevant to the animation style that they're trying to like emulate um so that's one of the reasons that even their movement looks different but they even did things like i didn't even know this was a thing in animation um and because it's this mix of 2d and 3d um like when before miles really comes into his own as spider-man he's animated on the odd frames so you know there's there's um you know 30 frames of film in a second assuming standard frame rates um and he's moving on the odd frames whereas um the whereas like gwen and peter parker are moving on the even frames so his movement just always seems a little off and jerky and maybe just a little bit behind um but then once he uh you know kind of comes into his own he gets animated on the even frames as well so his movement seems more natural and fluid and in sync with the rest of the world i'm like holy shit you guys thought about this yeah wow that's a lot yeah uh, i'm i'm curious to like who, who, who greenlit this movie like who at sony had the vision and like i it just seems like so out of character for them to do a good thing to yeah do a good thing yeah but to do something that's not just even just well made but like super thoughtful and like right this is not good by accident and kind of like high risks i think this movie is like real like i mean it was still i mean like relatively expensive and like to make a to bring out a live action sorry not action a full theater like animated release that's like if you're not pixar or disney kind of like a risky right thing to do especially when you especially in a in a space that's like another spider-man movie right like yes and with a different spider-man um than we're used to seeing and also no tie-ins to other things right you know this doesn't have that kind of the the tailwinds that marvel movies get of like well i'm maybe not totally into captain marvel but well i'm not gonna understand endgame if i don't go see it so get in the car you know like it doesn't have like because you know a lot of the marvel movies get boosted by that they get boosted by you know um this one doesn't have that and yeah this was such a huge risky maneuver um and and like i say like this is not this is like the lego movie this movie is good in ways you did not expect it to be it is not good by accident it is um 
they really, really went for it with this, and I'm, I'm, I was stunned by how good, it, good it was. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's, I mean, I don't, at this point, I have nothing else to say. I might have some follow up as I think about it down the road, but for now, I think that. Um, oh, I liked that had a good, a good rogues gallery, villains gallery, like a bunch of different ones. That was good. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to bring up something else though, Gray, to go back to the MCU. Oh boy, for a second. must we? For just well, this is I wanted to bring it. Greg. We're we're in the great beyond at this point. We don't know. We know that there is a release schedule, and we know that there are certain movies being filmed or talking about being filmed. Uh, but we don't know what's we don't know what Marvel movie comes out next, or any you know any Marvel movies coming out next. We know hypothetically which ones are, but there's been no official announcement. So how do you uh what, how do you feel about that? I really. I'm happy to not know what's next. Uh, I'm I am I am fully exhausted of of MCU at this point. I need I like to not have to think about it. I I like to be able to focus on other things that I'm more interested in. And I wish I was in a place mentally where I could like speculate about like all the shiny possibilities. I'm just not there. Like, I just, I really don't want to have to think about who the next Captain America is going to be, given today's options. Right. Um, I guess, I mean, we know they're making Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just, honestly, everything that is a possibility right now, except for a new Black Panther movie and a Guardians of the Galaxy plus Thor, I'm really like, I don't. I just don't want. I don't want it. I don't want it. What you um, know about Shang Chi? Um, do we know anything about it other than it's happening? No. Okay. So um, <laughs> yeah, call me when I know more about it. I guess. So here's here's my question though is, and I know we know that um, we know that Black Widow's filming right now. Yes. Because I've seen set pictures and stuff. So I'm gonna have to assume that's the next release, right? Because I don't think anything else is filming right now that I'm aware of. Have you heard anything? I could just be like not keeping up with my random news, but um, I think you're right. I think that is the only one that is currently filming. Uh, Isn't that weird though? Because I'm looking at release dates they've announced for Marvel movies, and the first one we have two in 2020, May and November, and then three in 2021 and three in 2022. Uh. So, but like, if there's two that are coming out in 2020, shouldn't both of those be filming now? Um, one would assume. So we figure one of those is Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is possible that they're just keeping one under wraps. Yeah, I guess it is possible. I mean, I, I assume in a couple weeks here we'll probably get some some more news. Now that once the Spider-Man hype yeah, dies yeah. down and stuff, and they said that would probably be till then, which I, you know, I, I will say, props to them for showing restraint, right? Like, they really could have the second Endgame was done, just been like, all right, here's the next Marvel. Movie. I know, I know that's like probably they're gonna they're gonna do the whole six-year plan they did before, but even just announce like, okay, here's the next year or two, and they've really shown a lot of restraint, which is interesting. Um, so. I mean, I wonder if they'll try and go for another, like, February release for a second Black Panther, uh, you know, to align with Black History Month, if that was the goal of the first one, I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, I don't know, it's just, I just feel like we would we should have, at this point, we should have gotten more news, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be... But then again, you know, with so much of this stuff, you know, like, you could film all of Guardians of the Galaxy in a soundstage and, and with green screen, right? That's true. Um, so you could film Guardians of the Galaxy in relative secret. Mm-hmm. Um for the most part uh, you could you could do a lot and not have people be totally aware of it um, yeah that, that would have been my guess that they were working on that but then with the whole James Gunn stuff I would assume that really derailed production but like you said they can probably and they're Disney they can probably make Earth's move to make things they want to have happen happen on time yeah yeah so, well I mean that's kind of crazy though like it's weird to think that we won't be talking about an MCU movie until next May thank heavens <laughs> Almost a year, Greg. You get a year break. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, don't, we don't really get any shows either. Well, I guess maybe something to watch with Disney Plus in the fall. Yeah, well, Mandalorian comes out in the fall. with that. That's a launch title, right? It's weird yeah, that we're I'm, talking about that sort of thing now. Like We used to talk about launch titles with video game consoles, and now <laughs> video streaming services have launch titles. It's true. I, didn't, I don't know if they announced that any of the specific shows are going to be launch titles as well or if they're just coming at some point, but I would assume one of the Marvel shows would be a launch title. You would think they'd try and get that done. Maybe Loki, probably the highest highest like name recognition one. I don't know. I think they've been filming that. I'm not sure. Um, there's definitely been like a picture or two, so definitely... Yeah, they have, something. because they've put out some set photos where it's like obviously takes place in the 70s or something or at least part of it does yeah, yeah whatever set whatever photo they released he's standing in front of like a, a movie Charles marquee picture. it's you know dates it or something but um. yeah yeah so oh well maybe you want maybe you don't get to escape it as early as you thought that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> for as long as you thought i mean but but we get in our star wars though we get a joker movie this year Ugh, come on you're not excited for that are you i kind of am it looks like it's a movie about a person that's true <laughs> and basically they said, they said today there's no comic book shit in it it's just like okay uh, yeah I'm sure there isn't <laughs> um, yeah um, anyway so um, so I guess that wraps it up for for our quick Spider-Man thing yeah all the Spider-Mans and, and women's um, but we actually we recorded our heavy metal part 2 so that's in the can I just have to mm-hmm. get it edited and posted so that'll hopefully hopefully be up by the end of this week and then um uh i've got another devilish little plot um of some dumb shit i want to do to andrew but you're gonna have to wait to hear about that uh some other time greg you want to give a quick 20 second midsomar oh yeah um very quickly um and maybe we can find a way to talk about this on an official podcast episode in depth we will uh, Midsummer is very good. Um, if you like Hereditary, you should go see it. Um, it has a lot of the same DNA as Hereditary. Um, you are now starting to see with these two movies in a row that there are certain things where something that I thought was a really cool, unique thing in Hereditary, now you see it again in another movie and you're like, oh, this is one of your moves, Ari Aster, who's the director. But that's fine. Um, it's 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 very good. It's not as good as Hereditary. Uh, I'll say that. Um, it's also not as much of a horror movie as Hereditary. Although I will say um, it is rated R for some very good reasons. So if you are squeamish, this is not a movie for you. Um, if you are not squeamish and want to see something that is weird and brave and cool, 
go see this movie. It is not perfect by any means. It has some problems, um, but it also has um, uh, uh, some really excellent performances, some really excellent music, some really excellent visuals, um, and some really cool ideas in it. So, um, yeah. Cool. Uh, we almost went to see it on Sunday morning. Shay was like, you want to go see that Midsummer movie? I'm just like, ah, do you, you want to see that? She's like, well, it kind of looked weird. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it weird. But, like, definitely, I, mean, I, I had heard it's, like, not quite as scary as Hereditary. And I don't really know. I don't really have any setting for what that is, how scary that is either. But I was just like, uh, this seems risky for us to go to a theater and see this together. At this point, both of us being, like, a little on the, the nervous side, shall we say. Yeah, it's not, it's not, like... It doesn't use tension and suspense and dread to scare you. Um, like I say, there are some disturbing graphic visuals. Um, it's more just a creepy idea and um, um, it's more creepy and unsettling than it is scary. So if you're comfortable with some gore... Um, uh, then, then it is worth seeing because it's not going to give you the same anxiety and stress kind of reaction that a traditional horror movie will. I mean, it, you're going to get a little bit of it, but I would say not any much more like stressed out feelings than you'd get from a a thriller or a suspense movie. Not to gotcha. say this is a thriller, but that's kind of where it where it falls. Gotcha. Well, cool. Uh, maybe we'll get talked about if I if I see it at some point. Maybe, maybe at home on the small screen if I need to like pause it and like go outside and stare into the sun or something. This movie takes place in broad daylight. I did I did see that, which is partially what makes me a little more interested in seeing. Yeah, that. yeah, because it takes place you know in in you know in midsummer in the north of Sweden, where apparently it's it's you know only dark for like two hours a night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's worth seeing. Cool. All right, well, uh, I look forward to seeing what you're springing upon me in future weeks. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, it's going to get weird. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, as long as it doesn't get scary. Yeah, it will, but in a, in a, in a different kind of way. <laughs> All right, man. All right, see you. See you.